Hey, sports fans, welcome to the Greg Medford Show. This is a follow-up to the show we did in studio with Jim Clark from Republic Monetary Exchange. We're down here at 40th Street in Camelback in Phoenix, Arizona. We're going to poke our head in here, and we're going to actually do what everybody talks about, what everybody uh, memes about, what everybody chats about. We're actually going to go in and buy some gold, kind of show you how it works, how easy it is, and some of the rules around it, and, uh, and maybe show you the difference between silver, gold, bullion, and some coins, collectibles, that kind of thing. Should be great fun. So let's go in and sit down with Jim get this done. Yes, Greg. Hey, great to see you again. Nice to see you too. Yeah, all right. Well, come on in. All right, you ready to do this? You're going to school me? Uh, well, we'll give it a I'm going to grab a water. All right, sports fans, we're in the inner sanctum here. We're getting ready to check out kind of what you can get, what you can do, and some of the reasons why you might pick silver or bullion or gold coins or collectibles, that kind of thing. We're here with Jim Clark from Republican uh, Republic Monetary Exchange. And uh, Jim, show us what you got for us today. Well, I brought out a whole stack of stuff here that you could take a look at. And by the way, thanks for coming in and letting me do this with you. I, uh, I've been at this for almost 50 years. So I've seen all kinds of markets, uh, up markets, down markets, sideways, volatile, quiet, uh, sub subdued markets. Uh, so I can cover a whole lot of ground with you of things that I've seen over the years. Okay. So we have a selection of investment grade gold coins, which would be this, and investment grade silver, which would be the old silver dollars. Is it okay if I touch some of these that are oh, in the Oh, please, absolutely. Yeah, we've so, already, we've inventoried everything, so we're good to go on Okay, that. so these are, this is a 1903, 1908? Yeah, $20 gold piece. Uh, the type is St. Gaudens, that was the designer of the coin. Augustus St. Gaudin. In 1907 was the first one, and 1933 was the last one of the of the St. Gaudin's type $20 gold piece. These are so sexy with this big, it almost looks like an angel, but it's a flying eagle across the back. I mean, you know, just on first perusal, and it's got the, uh, what is this, Liberty, um, Miss Liberty? The standing Liberty. Yeah, yes. awesome. So the back of the coin has the uh, wings of an eagle, double wings, mm -hmm. and they call that the double eagle. And being a $20 gold piece, a $10 gold piece would be considered an eagle. Uh, uh, $5 gold piece would be a half eagle, and a $2.5 be, would be a quarter eagle. So you get the idea that coins back in the uh, early part of the 20th century and the 1800s uh, were of those two types. Cool. 1907, and so these are all the um, these are all coins that were in circulation before the period in which it was kind of made uh, illegal to, to possess gold personally, and they were legal tender, so they're collectible, keepable, and couldn't be seized by the government at that point. Is that yes. right? Yeah. So in 1933, Roosevelt put out an edict that all gold was to be turned in to the treasury at the prevailing rate of $20.67 an ounce. So you would take a coin like this, a $20 gold piece. And is that an ounce? It's uh, not quite an ounce, it's .9675. Okay. The way that they did with coins back then is uh, they were denominated in grains of gold. Why you would, that's why you have the off ounce coins as Got opposed it. to now you have a $50 gold piece that's exactly one ounce of gold. Got it. So many people turned in their gold now, these particular coins didn't have to get turned in. What Roosevelt did was he confiscated the gold, citing that a 1917 law called Trading with the Enemy Act. And the scam, as I consider it to be, is that you 
you take the gold, and the excuse you use is, we don't know the history, and we don't know. Right, the, it could have come from the could enemy. Where could it come from? An enemy country, kind of like they do with Cuban cigars. You know, there's nothing wrong with a Cuban cigar. They just don't want to aid and abet uh, the country of Cuba, right, and they've right. never lifted that. Well, twenty dollar gold pieces. They know the orient orientation of the gold. It was U.S. mined, U.S. minted, and you could keep those. But a lot of people turn these in anyway. Okay. Uh, my grandfather turned these in, and he regretted it the day he did it because they gave him a stack of $20 bills for all of his $20 gold pieces. Mm. So when that happened, there were some of these that still floated in circulation, and Americans could own these because it was, it was currency. It was the real currency of the day. So you could own the $20 gold pieces and other U.S. gold. And um, fast forward to 1974, gold became legal to own. Oh, and by the way, after uh, Roosevelt confiscated the gold and it trickled down to virtually nothing, uh, they pulled the biggest scam probably in the history of the country at that time, and they raised the price to $35 an ounce Right after they got the gold at $20 an ounce. A very socialist of them. So at the time, it was just a kitten hair under an ounce, and its valuation was about what an ounce was valued at. Yeah, because at $20.67 an ounce, right. when you deduct the... Uh, the shortage of an ounce, it came out to exactly $20. So a $20 gold piece was equivalent to a $20 bill. And even back then, they had currency of the realm, which said right on it that this note is legal tender for all debts, public and private, and is exchangeable in gold on demand at any Federal Reserve Bank. So they actually reneged on that promise that you could exchange it. And even at that time, that $20 bill was not even considered currency. It was a receipt for the currency, which was gold, that was on deposit at a Federal Reserve Bank. It's like money was real. It was real, and those were just certificates of the money that was on deposit at right. the Federal Reserve Bank. Do you think, like at Fort Knox, you know, it always in the movies, there's gold at Fort Is there still gold at Fort Knox? Do you think it's all gone? I, I don't know, and I don't know that anybody knows. There's, you know, probably a few high-ranking politicians that know, but uh, many people think that the U.S. sold all that gold, or much of it, and it's been a mystery. The Fort Knox has never been audited, so we don't know if there's gold there. We don't know if it's gold-plated tungsten, which is a exact weight of gold, same density as gold, you could have a bunch of gold-plated tungsten sitting in Fort Knox, which I don't know, and I wouldn't want to uh, try to guess hmm. as to whether it's there or not, but it's supposed to be several thousand metric tons sitting in Fort Knox. Lord. All right, so tell me a little bit about this. So we've got some collector-grade gold coins, some collector-grade silver coins. Um, tell me about some of the stuff that's here. Are these circulation pieces? So uh, we'll start right here in order. We've got uh, the American $50 gold piece. This is the most popular way to own gold today in bullion gold. Now remember, this coin, uh, it's, it's one ounce unlike these others. But it could come under confiscation at some point. Because it's not legal tender? Because it's, well, unlike these, these were pre-33. Uh, this coin is a bullion coin. These had other value besides just its gold content. These had collector value, they had heirloom value, they had rare coin value, they had numismatic value. They were using it for something other than just hoarding gold, and that was the big thing that Roosevelt had talked about, was how much gold uh, people were hoarding. 
and they were trying, like like people hoarding guns today or hoarding ammo. Ammo. Well, this is where we see these things pop up, like happened in California last year, or the year before, where a, a coffee can of gold coins, twenty dollar gold coins, just gets pulled up out of the ground on a farm. Yeah, that was an interesting story. The the coins were found in the uh, were, were first laid there sometime in the eighteen fifties, and with the water. Uh, Going down in, in parts of California, they found a uh, they were about uh, about can about the size of paint cans, uh, filled with gold coins, and the water had gotten to them, the sand had gotten to them. Anyway, somebody found them out walking their dog. These coins were absolutely in pristine condition from from 1850. In the 1850s, which is something interesting about gold that it doesn't corrode. Right. It can be, you found them in sunken ships for 400 years and they look the same as when they went down. Or in Tutankhamun's so, tomb, yeah. So those coins, because they were in such pristine condition, they were sent off to the grading service, as these were, and they're giving a rating, an MS rating, which is Mint State, and they came in as something that rarely is ever seen because it's, they were never touched by human hands for, you know, 150 to 200 years. So a side note to that story was, the, uh, there was a bank in San Francisco around that same time that was robbed of several thousand gold pieces in a robbery. They were claiming ownership of the coins, that oh. this was part of a robbery. Now, the problem with that was the robbery happened before the coins were minted. So the bank was, it was, I think it was Bank of America claimed it was theirs. So they were out of the picture and the people that had it eventually sold the, the entire collection somewhere upwards of $10 million. Hmm. And of course they paid 40-50% tax on it, whatever, because Uncle Sam never misses a lick. Right, right. So, but they had, I've seen the coins, I've seen some of them, and they're just enough where they are so shiny and so bright that you almost have to wear sunglasses to look at them. Crazy. Well, talk to me a little bit about, like today I'm going to come in, I'm going to buy my first, I'm going to buy my first um, um, precious metals. Uh, and I brought five grand in cash. How do how do we do it? Okay, so whenever a purchase is made in either silver or gold, I like to look at what the ratio is between the two of them, meaning how many times the price of gold is over the price of silver. So when gold is near 90 to 1, I like silver over gold because it means that silver is underpriced relative to gold. When it's around 60 to 1, I recommend gold over silver because now silver is too overpriced relative to the gold price. Right now we're in the in the lower 80s, which I think makes either one of them good. I think I like silver a little bit more. So I would say typically six, something like that, 60% silver and 40% gold. Okay. But uh, there's something to be said about having a lot of uh, small pieces uh, on the chance at some point we're going to barter with these and I think we're going to come to that where you're going to be trading two or three silver pieces like these you know for you know maybe with a neighbor for you know a few chickens and or a few uh, few dozen eggs whatever or it might for be. fuel or whatever we could, we could be coming to that now oftentimes people will ask me well I think I'm going to buy all these one ounce silver pieces because if push comes to shove I'm going to be able to walk into the fries or Safeway or one of these places and be able to exchange that for a basket of groceries. That's not going to happen that way because they're not going to, it's Safeway or Fry's, they're not going to know that a, a silver piece from a copper piece. So at some point you're going to have to exchange that for paper dollars or whatever the currency of the realm is and, 
And by the way, I think we're coming to an end of the dollar as we know it, which is why people are buying a lot of silver and gold now is because they feel that what if there's a change in the currency, mm. that the value of the currency drops so far that eventually it's repudiated. Now, taking the 1933 dollar, it was basically worth one dollar. Mm -hmm. It's, we're now at a three-cent dollar from 1933. So the chances of, of that surviving, of the dollar surviving, is slim, and we're going to see it go away in our lifetime. Talk to me about what's the, what is the current, uh, I don't know, we call it the spot rate, today's rate for gold? Okay, so gold is around 1710 an ounce. Okay. And silver is uh, just like 19 and a half. Okay. Yeah. Are these one ounce silver? And this is, why do you call these bullion and these are coins? These are not legal tender struck okay, by the so, treasury? Or? So these coins, the, the American Gold Eagle, the South African Kruger Rand, uh, and the Canadian Maple Leaf are all considered uh, bullion coins because its value is not because of its date or its scarcity because it's not. It strictly follows the price of gold. Okay. These coins that are 100 years old, plus or minus, they have a collector's value, numismatic oh, value, okay. because of its condition. So they've got more it. strings pulling at them. These are just intrinsic gold they, value. They make these all the time. Okay. These coin that's 1908 or 1897, they're gone. They're not going to be anymore. When those are gone, they're gone. That's it. You can't get any more. And we're already running into that problem uh, in, in this period of time that we're in because there's so much talk about uh, banks' insolvency. I just read this morning that uh, Credit Suisse Bank, which is a huge bank, uh, is in deep trouble. Deutsche Bank is in deep trouble. The derivatives uh, market is off the charts. And if one bank falls, one major oh. bank falls, it's a domino effect. Right. So it's right now, it's not so much what the price of gold is, what's the availability. And everything across this board is in short supply. And I'm afraid we're going to get to a point where we won't have gold on the shelf at any price. We may have cheap prices on it, but there's not going to be any available for sale. Right now we've got plenty, but we foresee not being able to find any new silver and gold until uh, the first of the year. Crazy. So we have what we have on hand to, to work with. Now some of that's got to be, I mean, it's some of it's part got to be the supply chain. I mean, Ford can't get chips. You can't buy a new Ford vehicle. You can't get a new appliance. I can't get a new American-made refrigerator stove right now. It's bananas. So, I mean, is it part of that, you it's think? The same, it's the same system, uh, but with the investment-grade gold, which I like better than anything, mm -hmm. when there are none available in the market, they're just gone, and the premium just keeps inching up and up and up until it draws coins back into the market to make it available for the next buyer. What, do you, what are these going for right now? So a coin like that's going to be either side of two and a half thousand dollars. Okay. And then what are these coins going for? So they typically go for about uh, seven dollars over the spot price. So take the nineteen and fifty plus seven puts it at twenty six fifty a coin. And then if I had one of these today uh, that I had bought for twenty six fifty a couple days ago approximately, and I came back into exchange it for money, how much would I be get about, for? Be about fifteen percent less typically the okay. buy sell spread. Okay. All right. And then uh, we had talked about this before. If you do this, it's not necessarily an investment; it's a hedge, to, right. which is a different thing. So some people buy this stuff speculatively for the change. Um, but that's the change is really, you know, you talked about across a couple thousand years, an ounce of gold has had a very steady purchasing power across 
uh, you know, a thousand generations of humans. Sure. What's changed is the valuation of our currency of the day. When you see the gold go way up, it means the dollar's gone way down, or there's some emotional tug in the marketplace that's pushing it that's that way. That's one of the factors. There could be others uh, in there too with kind of financial mar the financial markets, foreign exchange, uh, the fear that you can't get gold, because markets are moved by fear and greed. Fear that you're not gonna be able to get it in the future, and greed that you want it now before you can't get it again. So you have that are two major factors in the market. But when you talk about a hedge, what it also means is the value of the gold doesn't change, which we agreed to and we talked about that in the podcast before. What changes is the medium of exchange used to buy the gold mm -hmm. or to sell the gold. Right. Meaning that as the value of the dollar moves down, and it does because they keep printing them. Uh, just yesterday, I read that uh, the national debt has finally risen above $31 trillion. I remember in the mid-70s when the national debt got to $1 trillion, there was a lot of panic that this country could not sustain a trillion dollar national debt. There is just no way, you only have so many people, you have only have so much taxes being collected mm -hmm. that it, it you could not possibly balance the budget with a trillion dollar debt with the, the interest on it alone was several, uh, 50 billion dollars or so. So um, they kept uh, inflating the money, making more paper, but not putting in more gold or having other type of, of hard reserve. So we are what's in now, as of August of 1971, a uh, fiat currency. Right. It's Meaning not tethered to anything. It's, 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 it's currency because the, the government says it's, it's currency and because a private corporation called the Federal Reserve System, right. which is no more federal than Federal Express, they print the paper money and then they loan it to the U.S. government and then they charge interest on it and they haven't done anything except print the money. So with this national debt at $31 trillion and with inflation now almost out of control, but certainly it's not gonna come down, you have these two competing uh, elements in the market mm -hmm. that is going to say that, that $31 trillion and the debt on that to carry that and the tax collect, we're gonna probably have to inflate our way out of this. As we've seen virtually every country in the world for thousands of years, they eventually just print their way out of it. The currency becomes worthless, and then, of course, the national debt is in is in uh, dollars, and it, it just kind of goes away. And yeah. ever resulting, uh, uh, the the debt uh, is going to get burned in the end. Well, let's do this. Um, let's play a little game of what's my five thousand dollars look like. Okay. Um, let's do a little spread of um, like what you think ideally you'd recommend for a 52-year-old guy that's buying gold for the first time and it's just going to put his toe in the water with five grand and then maybe I think about uh, doing more money as time goes by or every month a, a chunk, a little chunk. Show me kind of what it looks like. I think people love seeing like what's it actually, this is a, there's a, there's a bunch of money sitting on the table right here. I don't know how much but um, let's. I think people love seeing like what is five thousand dollars worth of silver or I mean this is almost five. This is five thousand dollars worth of gold coins right here. Right, and for that amount, I wouldn't recommend very much gold. I think right. what for five thousand, you go all in on silver. Okay, and because these silver rounds that we show, that I show you, 
this you get more pieces of silver uh, for five thousand dollars than you would if you bought the investment grade silver dollars. This this coin is over two hundred dollars. Okay. And the mint grade is way way up there. Mint state sixty five. I I would stay away from that because it's. I think that's more when you're saying, you know what, I really want to reach for the cream. I think to get started, you want to have as much silver and as many uh, pieces as possible okay. for the amount of money that you're talking about. And is it because, um, like, why is that? Because it makes you feel good? Or because uh, uh, because if you think about it as a actually having to use it, it's more practical. It'll be practical because who knows what we're going to come out to in the next few years. We could easily see uh, the bartering with something and that those are going to be your best units. Okay. And, there, and the storage of about 200 of those is not going to be a big thing. And Plus, if you need to sell, you need to raise a few hundred dollars or $500 or $1,000, whatever it might be, it's easy to just come in and hand over a tube or so of, of these silver rounds and walk out with cash. Right. So roughly five thousand dollars would be two hundred of those, or twenty tubes of ten, or twenty tubes of twenty tubes of twenty. Um, and how many is this right here? Is this a t is this one tube? This of would be effective. Now this is these are the Canadian maple leaves. Oh, this okay. is the answer that Canada had for the American silver eagles that came out in nineteen eighty six. Right now, the Canadian mint, like the U.S. Uh, mint, is out of all of these. And they've have halted production until next year. Okay. And the premium on those are seventy to eighty percent over the price of silver. For the Canadian ones? Well, the U.S. ones. These are about sixty percent above because they're out of them. But there's okay. such a demand for the American Silver Eagle. This is the name brand. This is the uh, one that everybody wants. Is that the one you're recommending I get? No, I wouldn't. I would say not to get these because okay. the premium's too high. Oh, you would say get the but there's the an ounce, an ounce of, there's an ounce of silver in each one of these coins. It's pure silver, point nine 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 fine. Uh, there is no difference silver-wise, but the American Eagle there's no more being minted for a while, so people are, are taking advantage of the unavailability of them and buying them all up. Okay. I, I choose not to get caught up in that. Uh, in that, yeah. Okay. So these guys, where were these sitting? Were these sitting right here? Those were sitting on this stack right here. Okay, and what do you call these guys? Those are um, generic one ounce silver rounds. Okay. Coins. All right, cool. So you think that's what I should get? I, I would get, uh, yeah, I would get 200 of those, 10 tubes of 20. Okay. Um, all right. Well, do, where, do we, where do we do that? Do they bring them in here and I just give you cash or how's it work? Yeah, you write your check for it or you could bring me cash however you wanted to do it I brought cash all right we can yeah. do that sure um, w tell me about these guys right here so these are one ounce gold bars okay and uh, these are minted by a company Val Camby which is a Swiss company mm -hmm. these are what they call carded uh, this is in a uh, uh, plastic holder with with the a card that describes the uh, unit in there it has a serial number and the pureness is 0.999 fine. And you say, well, that's fine for you to say, but how do I know that? We actually have a spectrometer that we can put on any coin, any bar. Uh, and right through the plastic you can look it at. It x-rays it, and it gives you the exact uh, specific content content of, of everything in there. Yeah. Tell me about this. Can I pick this up? Sure. Now, that's 100 ounces. <laughs> 
So that's going to be a hundred times more than the uh, one ounce pieces. That that well, actually that bar is about twenty five hundred dollars. So you know if you're five thousand, you can get two of those. Those are about seven pounds a piece. I love that. This company that makes it is a not the company is Asahi. Uh, they bought out another company that had been in existence for over two hundred years. It's called Johnson Matthey. They were one of the uh, five London uh, bullion dealers that set the price of gold every day. So when you, when you hear about the, the gold price, the fix in London was X. It was this company is one of them that determined the price of gold each day in the London market. There's something really satisfying about this. Is like it there, I, though? I, I really like this. I mean, not only could you club somebody with this, but I, it is super satisfying. <laughs> I don't. It's the most impractical of... of, of uh, I mean, it get, allows you to have a lot in a small space, right? So if, if you came to me and said, you know what, I have 50000 that I want to invest in silver and gold, I would stretch it out a little bit different. I think I would go the 40% gold, maybe get 10 of these, and maybe get five of these, and maybe get some one-ounce pieces, and then a few of the invest, investment-grade gold, which would give you a good balance of everything. Okay. All right. Oh, I'm intrigued as hell by the whole thing. Well, let's uh, start with the silver coins and let's get those. Let's do it. Okay. So we'll bring in uh, uh, we'll bring in uh, ten tubes of these, which is going to run fifty three hundred dollars. So you get a little buffer zone, a little buffer for go to fifty three hundred. Yep. Okay. So Jim and his uh, crew have pulled some stuff out for us, and what you've got before you now, we've got one, two, three, four, five little. Uh, groupings of around $5,000, which is I'm doing today as I stick my toe into this um, mysterious pool of precious metals. So what we have here, Jim, tell us about this pile really quick. And in each one of these tubes are these uh, one ounce uh, gold rounds, uh, silver. Which we, uh, uh, silver rounds, which you call bullion, right? Yes. Okay. And uh, tell us a little bit about these and, and then we'll move to the next pile. So each one of these tubes contains 20, just like the stack on top. These are right from the mint. They're sealed in a tube, 20 pieces to a tube. Uh, we have 10 tubes of 20, which is 200 pieces, at about $26.50 a piece. So we have $5,300 worth of silver in this stack. Awesome. So this is the way to get the most amount of silver in individual units for the same amount of money. Over here, we have 200 ounces of silver, but instead of being two uh, 101 ounce pieces, it's two 100 ounce pieces. And because the cost of refining and minting these is less than the one ounce pieces, these are about a dollar fifty an ounce less. So here you have exactly five thousand dollars worth of silver. Okay. Oh, okay, okay, that makes sense. So we jump over to this stack of investment grade gold, and these are minted prior to 1933. And the mint state on those is 64. Those are about two and a half thousand dollars a piece. So here you have two coins that are going to burn up your five thousand dollars real quick. Then we jump over to the South African Krugerrands. They're going to be in the vicinity of about eighteen hundred dollars a piece. So three of those are going to be just slightly over five thousand dollars, fifty-four hundred dollars to be exact. Okay. And then the next stack over here are ten of the mint state 65. Morgan type silver dollars. The last year these were minted were 1921. These are all pre-1921 uh, $1 pieces, silver dollars. So they're no less than 100 years old. And the mint state is ab above average 
for brand new right out of the mint. So these have been held out somewhere along the way. They've been protected. They've gone through the grading service and given a rating of mint state 65, which is some of the highest numbers in the in the trade. So, And then they're sealed in those little tamper-proof containers and they don't need to be certified again. They just stay that way until some lunatic opens them up or the apocalypse There's no happens. Point, there's no, no point in opening them up because once you do, you have uh, lost the absolute grading on it. Doesn't mean it can't be sent again and regraded. Right. And it will likely come out the same. If it gets cracked, uh, we can send it back in to the grading service and they'll reholder it uh, with no cracks on it whatsoever. So. Nice. All right. Cool. So I'm like, I'm sitting here and I have some decisions to make. Should I just take five grand and three coins? Should I take five grand and 14 pound bricks? Which is something satisfying about that. That's oddly satisfying to just have those sitting in the gun safe, sitting up at the top. Maybe have maybe like eight more rows of those. I mean, there's just something that would kind of tickle you about that. People too. Yeah, and, and if you needed to, you could drop them on a zombie. Um, and then these guys, they seem like. Uh, those are, uh, they have a whole collector component to them that's outside of what this stuff has. It is, but it's, it's a collector's, but it's also an investor's. Okay. And I would say there's more investors buying these types of coins than there are collectors. The idea of coin collecting pretty much went away back in the 60s when they quit minting uh, U.S. coins with silver. Okay. And there's nothing really satisfying about a quarter or a half dollar that's filled with copper and has a little bit of a glaze of, you know, some other silver Tint type or something. metal. Yeah, 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 just there's nothing really uh, got any pizzazz about it. So coin collecting has gone away since the 60s. So, you know, I'm sitting here, Jim, and, and you said this is what you'd recommend to me, but like viscerally, I'm having these other things pulling at me. Like there's something kind of, you know, you've stacked a million dollars worth of gold up on the table for, there's something kind of sexy about they have different appeal like this has a ton of appeal this has a lot of appeal these are little i mean i understand the collector nature of them They're, they don't speak to me quite this i don't know if it's because i can touch the metal here or uh you know uh the krugerrand is you know in every in every movie uh that's got a drug deal going down uh, outside of the united states there's krugerrands involved and and then and then these they're th these are these are very visceral as well because you've got all these coins here um but I guess I gotta make a decision to get one of these, huh? I know this is what you recommend, but then these are calling to me a lot, you know, like like if these are sitting in my safe, I just get to look at these plastic things, you know. If these are sitting up in the safe, they are like kinda like excite I mean, you know, every time I open it up I'm like ha ha ha. So I'm I'm trying to wrap my brain around what I should do here. Um, what do you think, Bobby? What's your vote? I like them both too. Yeah. I, why don't you just get half and half? Well, that's not a bad idea. Why don't you get one bar and then the rest in the coin? I, I think that's a, I, I think that's a solid plan. I know you guys pulled out ten tubes for me, but how about I get uh, five tubes in one of these guys? There we go. All right. Oh my God, Bobby! Great, Bobby pulling through in the clutch. Um, I think that's awesome for my first little precious. And, and by the way, I, I don't disagree with that. That's why I like to lay out different options, and you can mix and match them however you like. And actually, I like that idea. From <laughs> what you're telling me. So actually, 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 this is not a sales presentation. This is more of an interview, and I'm talking to you. What works the best for you? Mm -hmm. And everybody has their dominant buying motive, and what you just explained to me. You figured it out easily enough on yourself that you just get half and half, and you're good to go. Instead of getting home and 
calling me on my cell phone at 2 o'clock in the morning and say, Jim, you know what, I think I would rather have two of the big bars than the one-ounce pieces, and, or I'd rather have uh, all of the one-ounce pieces instead of the big bars. Can I come in in, in the morning and switch this out? You know, I want you to leave here thinking, you know what, I made the right call, I've thought about it, this is the best uh, for me, and I agree with you. You know, I'm a I'm a second generation Greek immigrant. My my Irish side of my dad's side's been here for a long time from the South Carolina, and uh, I I have this. You know, there's like two competing cultures in America. There's this kind of hillbilly culture, and there's your collegiate culture. Culture. And a lot of people, even if you go to college and go off and become a physician or a lawyer, if you come from hillbilly culture, you might still hold on to that. It might be part of your core ethos. There's a lot of doctors that came out of little small towns that were uh, raised in a family that knew how to fix a plow and knew how to fix an engine to make sure the South 40 got tilled. I uh, There's something about, I don't like having a lot of cash in banks. I would rather have a couple collectible cars in my garage. I would rather have some really intrinsic, tangible stuff. And, and it, I don't know if it's just... You have to bet that the country's going to survive one way or the other, whatever the currency may be. They'll change over time, maybe, perhaps. But I like the idea of having money tied up in stuff that I can kind of see and touch and appreciate. And this has a, a component to it in the same way that I like some real rare collectible cars sitting in my garage that I know won't go down. Now, if they do go down in value, it really means the apocalypse has happened and, you know, people are really, the coin of the realm is water and food, mm -hmm. you know. But short of that, um, high-end high end rare cars are pretty pretty good bet. And I, I think this is too, it makes me comfy. Well, you write about cars and you write about uh, collectible, investable uh, assets. And we're always going to have wealthy people in the world. We're always going to have people that want the uh, the creme de la creme of whatever it might be. Now, when you ask me if I would like to have a 59 Ford, I go, eh, maybe. And uh, you say, well, what if it's a Thunderbird? Well, then absolutely. Right. Yeah. Right. And I want one that's, you know, been restored or it's in mint condition. That's sort of the... Uh, idea I use with investment grade gold, that these are in mint condition. Right, so this these are like gold wing Mercedes. That's the top end stuff. Right. right, and these are muscle cars. Yes. And I would and I would say, you know, get some of this and have this beefed up so you've got some uh, easily carryable, easily transferable, smaller increment, yes. and then, you know, have, have, a, have a hundred of those sitting around. So, as we've been talking for the last 20 or 30 minutes, uh, you're feeling what a lot of people feel, that there's going to be a transition phase here somewhere in the very near future. And we're talking about the money as we know it, the cash as we know it, the Federal Reserve notes as we know it, that it's going to go away. We're already seeing a lot of businesses that refuse to take cash. Now, that seems strange to me because you take a credit card and you give up 3% to the bank, but mm. they would rather have 97 cents on a credit card than a dollar in cash. I believe that there's a lot of businesses that feel they might get stuck with cash if the cash as we know it is repudiated or when it's repudiated yeah. and it's uh, virtually worthless. So we're in an in-between period right now that uh, the banks, we believe, are in serious trouble and there's evidence of that all over the place. There's articles all over about some of the big banks are right on the brink of collapsing. And when that happens, the rest of them are just right behind them. So 
We could get into that, and getting into your getting to your money in the bank could be very difficult. Mm. I think it's actually good to have a little bit of cash around in case you can't get to an ATM mm-hmm. and the banks are closed for an indefinite period of time. And you have silver and gold as the backup money that has been known to exist as currency forever for at least, well, at least 6,000 years. And I think it's going to be around long after we're gone. All right, here we go, sports fans. All right, so there's 5150 here, right? Yes, sir. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to run these through the dollar bill counter. So okay. this not only counts the bills, it identifies the denomination and gives you a total readout at the end. So you're claiming this to be 5150. We'll put the 50 on top. And as you watch the screen here, it's going to start out 5150. When I was working for Pablo Escobar, we used this as well. It was really useful. (laughs) Oh, you did, huh? Yeah. I don't want to know know about that, right? Right. Well, what a pleasure. And I really appreciate you uh, rolling out all the variety for us to see. I think uh, everybody's going to enjoy checking this out. Um, for those of you who haven't done this kind of thing, it's actually pretty fun. And, uh, you know, I've got uh, employees on my team at my knife company who um, buy 50 to $100 every single pay period of silver. So um, it, it doesn't, you don't have to be a, a baller to be doing this. Of course, if you are, you may or may not have done this. Um, but it's actually, it's pretty fun. It's painless. It's neat to see this. Talk about, um, you know, as soon as you do have some money, you have some net worth, you start like wondering, you know, where should I put my money? If you're smart, you don't put it in the bank. Um, you, you get some real estate, you invest in some things, uh, uh, maybe you get some other ventures going, and, uh, and then you have a certain amount that you have on hand, and this is a way to have some on hand that's protected against calamity. And you could also, it's reasonably liquid, you can go get it get get the whatever the coin of the day whatever the currency of the day is so you know maybe the dollar turns into the e-dollar or turns into the the bit america or whatever the hell it's going to be there's going to be some way to exchange something durable and hard like this and precious for that thing to to go buy eggs and chickens that week so i think it's pretty well, cool I, can i make a comment about your knife company yeah so, go right when ahead. we were out there before you took me for a tour of the place and i'm how impressive that is and of course i sent uh pictures to both my daughters one is in kuwait in the national guard the other is a flight nurse in colorado and they looked at them i said how does this look and they said dad get me one get me one and they read all about the quality they knew of your company and they said yeah dad come on get me get me one of these knives for christmas but somehow i must have one of these so what an impressive factor you have out there and I thank you for that and oh, you thank, thank you. me for being there but it was a mutually beneficial experience to come out and see Medford Knife Company out in West Phoenix lovely well um, you guys um, you can uh, if you're here locally of course you can come down to Republic Monetary Monetary Exchange do you have some way for people that are in other states do you do anything through the mail or do you guys do oh in fact we ship a lot of gold and silver in the mail uh, using UPS Mm-hmm. And it goes insured right to your door. You sign for it, and you're good to go. So listen, if you're holed up up in Tucumcari or in uh, uh, some little place out in the middle of nowhere, and you don't have a Republic Monetary Exchange uh, down on Main Street, you do have one on .com. So go on the Internet. What's your, what's your website? It's rmegold.com. RME, as in Republic Monetary Exchange, gold.com. So go check it out. It's super satisfying. And uh, maybe uh, I think somebody could uh, sit here and um, if they had a chunk of cash, they wanted to convert into precious metals as part of their strategy to make them comfortable and 
um, hedge on the uh, volatility of the un financial universe. I think someone could sit here and watch this and kind of looking at this, pick and choose what they'd want. And you could really easily go on and, and, and do this with Jim on his website. Hey, what a pleasure, and thank you so much. Nice to Great meet to you. Great to see you again, Greg. Yeah. yeah, thanks for coming by. Thanks for everything you do, too. Thank you. All right. Hey, sports fans, that's the show. Check us out. We're trying to bring all kinds of new and interesting things. We're going to be between cycles, so less politics for the next year and more uh, other interesting things going on in the universe. That's the show. I'm out.